and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films, like tonight, I would say, (laughs) directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I am your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people, the literal eye of the chaos storm <laughs> because the weirdest stuff happens to you every day <laughs> Ariel hi how are things from the eye of the storm chaotic but good I'm doing okay <laughs> in this case it's like literal storm and also just life storm <laughs> yeah I don't know Portland goes crazy anytime there's a little bit of snow but also, it's cold, <laughs> really cold all the time. Yeah. I that's... learned that if it gets below 30 degrees, you can't wear leggings outside because it will feel like you're just Donald Ducking it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why people are always Donald Ducking it out there. They're like, well, I mean, if I'm going to feel like my my cheeks are in the breeze, I might as well just have my cheeks in the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How are things in your, in the, in your neighborhood? Good. I mean, honestly, the snow has kept everybody inside, which is going to which has been kind of nice. I've been going for walks with my dog who apparently loves the snow and just yeah, it's been eerily quiet, which is really nice in my neighborhood. (laughs) But do you feel like these the more they're cooped up, the more they're going to act out when they get outside again? Oh, boy. It did kind (laughs) of happen like that after the first round of quarantining back in 2020. (laughs) Oh, really? Was it just wiling out? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but Mm -hmm. you never Mm -hmm. know with these people. (laughs) So no jingle balls is what you're saying. That's great. No. Okay. That's good. That's good. Uh, (laughs) How was your Christmas, by the way? This is our first episode since Christmas. How how was your your Christmas? It was actually really nice. You know, last year it was all over Zoom and I had to do all the cooking for myself and stuff, which is lame. And this year I got to go to my sister's house and we all got together there for Christmas Eve and Christmas, which was really nice. And she did all the cooking. I just had to make cookies. It was great. (laughs) <laughs> what kind of cookies did you make? You're such a good baker. Oh, I just made tahini chocolate chip because they're really good. <laughs> Matilda turned me on to those. I was going to say, I've had that. Those, that's Mat- yeah. And it was Matilda's recipe. Yes. Uh-huh. Ooh, and it's freaking killer. Yeah, they're really good. She made truffles this year, which were also Ooh. killer and shamed me. I, on the other hand, <laughs> ordered my my Christmas dinner from Whole Foods <laughs> and just put them in the oven at the same temperature at timed intervals. I mean, that sounds pretty great to me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is, as a grown folk, aside from opening presents on Christmas morning, Christmas is all work as an adult. Yeah, you know that is and, true. And so I'm always looking for shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, ways to just capture that Christmas magic and have fun and not have to do as much of the adult chore part of it. <laughs> well, I mean, the house smelled like Christmas. I just didn't yeah. want to die by the time dinner was on the table. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. I do miss that my niece and nephew aren't little kids anymore, though, because Aww, Christmas yeah. with little kids is the most fun thing in the world. Oh, um, that's cute. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, Christmas is about the kids. And that's that's why I don't have any, because then it won't be about <laughs> me anymore. <laughs> oh Just <God>. kidding. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite gift? Oh, that's a good question. Well, <laughs> the one that made me laugh the most 
was my niece gave me this gift. It was a small, very tiny gift that she had wrapped in a million layers of tissue paper and duct tape and woven together rubber bands that it took me like 20 minutes with everybody hysterically laughing as I tried to unearth this present. Oh, what a butt. Okay, so you know how I watch Riverdale with her and her girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Best auntie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So she at the very bottom of this gift, it was a random Riverdale fridge magnet. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, what a it was brat. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Awesome. I'm so glad you had a good holiday. I think we all needed to have a little fun. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully definitely. 2022 is going to be even better. If Omicron lets us. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Awesome. Well, my holiday, like I said, was super, super chill. Unfortunately, I was supposed to go to friends' house for games and stuff. Yeah. We're all gonna like test and do it, but because everybody had that idea, apparently they couldn't get tests. Oh no, yeah. that's a bummer. Which was a bummer, but it just meant we got to have an even more low-key Christmas. Mm-hmm. We watched movies really nice. and yeah, and honestly, I am such an overbooker. You know this about yep. me. If there is an do. empty space in my calendar, I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And I, then I always regret it because I'm like, God, I just want to chill out. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was I I was kind of forced to chill out. So it was in a way, even though it would have been really fun to go play games with them and be around other humans. You probably just needed the downtime. It was kind of nice to just watch movies and chill the hell out. I even watched cheesy Christmas movies, which I don't normally do. Oh my God, which ones did you watch? Well, I watched that single all the way movie. Did you like it? It was cute. I mean, right? So on one hand, it's terrible, like every one of those movies. Yeah. But there was something very revolutionary about that, that Mm -hmm. it was exactly like every other Christmas movie you've ever seen, except for that the two people who are, you know, against all odds and a christmas miracle falling in love are two men yeah but like literally that's the only difference it's the only change in it and so that means that everything stays the same but you also get to see two gay men experiencing christmas joy and that sort of goofy silly love story that's in those movies it was really Mm -hmm. nice Nobody was coming out. Nobody was pretending to be straight. It was just two people who realized they were in love with each other. And the families were in full support. And it was just (laughs) not a thing. And that, to me, I was like, as bad as this movie kind of is, I'm Mm -hmm. just charmed by how fucking normal that is. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I got a little little emotional. Got me in the feelies. (laughs) <laughs> got me in the feelies. I still have a few, apparently. They come out on Christmas. I'm like the Grinch. My heart grows two sizes for 24 hours. And it goes back to being its usual crusty self on December 26th. <laughs> so we are going to be reviewing a movie today that was actually recommended to us by one of our former go- uh, ghosts. Apparently, I really want you to have a haunted ghost story (laughs) by one of our former guests, Elizabeth, from Plug It Up. And we had watched The Invitation, which starred one of the stars of this, Lindsay Burge. And uh, so she recommended that we check out The Midnight Swim. So it's kind of been on our list for a while. And then I got a press release a couple weeks ago, I guess now, a week ago, Mm -hmm. saying that they are re-releasing it. And I was like, oh, it's meant to be. Let's check it out. So, yeah, we're going to be reviewing The Midnight Swim, directed by Sarah Adina Smith. Before we do that, can you please let uh, our listeners know, in case this is their first time joining us here on this podcast, what our spoiler policy is? 
Yeah. So Rachel is going to tell you a little bit about the director and the making of the movie. And then she and I will tell you our non-spoiler thoughts and whether this is worth checking out. And then after that, it is full spoilers. But we will give you a warning before we get into that because we will spoil the end. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to have to talk about the end because I think I understand it. But I'm not I totally so sure. Too, but yeah. So I need to compare some notes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so consider yourself warned. All right. So this was a me pick. And I don't think we've done anything. But I've seen things by Sarah Adina Smith before. But I don't think we've ever discussed it on the podcast. I, know I don't she, think so either. Yeah. She did one of the segments of the Holidays Anthology. Right. Did you ever watch that? I did. Yeah. When it first came out. But I haven't seen it since then. So hers was Mother's Day, and it was the one where she goes to the cult. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Very it was a, cool. it was one of the stronger segments. Yeah, of, uh, that emblazoned itself into my brain. <laughs> so I'm excited to see a feature by her. So we'll, we'll we'll get into it. Okay. So Sarah Dina Smith is a writer, director, and editor from Fort Collins, Colorado. As far as her educational background, I wasn't able to discover a ton except for that she did study philosophy at Columbia, which. What a Interesting. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like maybe that would be kind of disconnected, although, like you said, it does also kind of make sense. <laughs> it's actually how she ended up moving into filmmaking. In an interview with Movable Fest, the Movable Fest, she said, I didn't always know that I wanted to make films. After graduation, it finally occurred to me that directing allowed me to ask deep questions like a philosopher, to make arresting images like a painter, and to think inside out like an actor. Oh, wow. That's really beautiful. Right? Yeah. (laughs) And considering her background and all of her artistic endeavors on top of being a director, this makes perfect sense. Because not only is she a filmmaker, a a screenwriter, and an editor, she also co-founded the Los Angeles-based multidisciplinary studio Friend of a Friend with her husband and cinematographer Shaheen Seth which is a graphic design house so basically in a nutshell she's a super rad artist in a ton of different ways that's really cool yeah so prior to making Midnight Swim she made two shorts Madura and Sirens and then the Midnight Swim marked her feature film debut it had its world premiere in July 2014 at the Fantasia Film Festival, and it earned her several awards, including Best Feature Film at the 2014 Denver International Film Festival, the Best Screenplay Award at the 2016 Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, and a nomination for Grand Jury Prize at the 2015 Nashville Film Festival. And oh, wow. now, like I said, it's being re-released by Yellow Veil Pictures. Because, I mean, it's been out for a while, but apparently they're also going to be releasing like a, a special edition. But I'll get into oh, that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Following that film, <laughs> Miss Smith has kept things very, very busy. Mm. Her follow-up feature, Buster's Mal Heart, starring Rami Malek, came out in 2017. And since then, she's done several episodes of several TV projects, including Wrecked, Room 104, and the Amazon Prime series, Hannah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Her latest film, Birds of Paradise, just came out on Amazon Prime this year. And it focuses on two girls competing for a spot in an elite ballet academy. And people have compared it to, as you would imagine, Black Swan. It's also apparently a very tragic queer love story. So obviously that's going to the top of my list. Okay, we need to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. We will be talking about that, I feel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Midnight Swim actually has an interesting backstory about how it came about. It actually started as a totally different movie. Really? Called Good People. Okay. (laughs) And it was about a couple. (laughs) 
One of them is an anti-war author and uh, the other is a musician, wife and husband, respectively, who retreat to a quiet neighborhood in the 1970s so that the wife can work on her book. However, this beautiful, tranquil getaway is pretty short-lived because the wife meets this young Vietnam vet and she kind of inspires him to change the direction of her book and then things start happening she has a spiritual awakening and then murder so whoa that is so very very different, different movie <laughs> i would not have predicted that at yes all. that was supposed to be her debut film she had found funding for okay. part of it but then she kick-started the rest to kind of cover the cost and in the process she painted literally 79 portraits of birds to give to kicks, to backers that took hours to make each of them, only to discover that the financing company who was putting up the other half of the money went bankrupt. No. Oh my god! Yes. That would be so disappointing. I can't imagine. <sighs> I mean, that's the thing, and I think this is what one of the things that separates people from the directors who make it and that hustle that we talk about. That would be crushing. Yeah, that would be freaking crushing. Oh, absolutely! I can't imagine having to pick up and try to find new funding after that. Yeah. I mean, geez. So she went back to the drawing board, quite literally, and started rewriting the script. And eventually it became a completely different movie, Midnight Swim. And Interesting. during this process, she in this, actually, I think it's another interview in the same publication, The Movable Fest. She said that she kept telling herself, be the doula, not the director. I felt like this movie is going to be born and it's my job just to listen, take my ego out of it and very calmly bring it into the world. Whenever I got out of my own way, I feel like the movie naturally happened the way it should. I hope I continue to be that kind of director. Mm, that's so interesting. I feel like I've heard other writers talk about writing in that same way. Right. If you overwork it and overthink it, you lose something. Mm -hmm. So I think she just kind of let it happen. And then, yeah, although I do kind of hope that she returns to that original idea at some point, because it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fantastic. And then you get to the murder part and my ears. Right. Up, so I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. that she enjoys a good mystery. So there's some mm -hmm. Venn diagram crossover for you as a right. viewer and her yes. as a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> so the film, it was shot on what she described as a shoestring budget over two weeks in a place called Okaboji, Iowa, on the Okaboji Lake and in a cottage that she actually went to frequently as a child with her family. Oh, wait, the house that it was I filmed I guess at? so, yes. Interesting. So, That's kind of cool. Right? Well, she says the film is definitely not autobiographical. Uh, okay, good to know. <laughs> she said that growing up, her mother would tell her and her sisters the story of the seven sisters that drowned in that oh, lake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of family, as I mentioned, her husband is a cinematographer, and the two of them frequently working to work together, including on this film. Shaheen Seth is his name, and he came along with her on this journey as the filmographer on this film. And she said, as for filming a movie where she grew up, it was both a little tense because she was, mm. especially when it came to the cottage itself, because she was really afraid that they were going to damage it in some way. And oh, it had gotcha. such sentimental val value that she was really concerned about it. But at the same time, it was also a super amazing experience because the community itself was super supportive of the project. And she said they even opened up their homes to allow her crew to stay with them. What? Right? <laughs> that is so cool. Wow. How sweet. Right? They said She said they did like, a lot of favors and were just super, super supportive. 
yeah, so that's basically all I have, except that the film is being re-released digitally on January 25th. So after this comes out. So, you know, careful with the spoilers unless you want to. Although I guess it's already out there, so you could probably see it before and then but whatever and it will be preceded by a special collector's edition blu-ray which is available for pre-order starting january 1st so i think this comes out after january 1st right because that's saturday so yeah. yes mm-hmm. so it that it'll already be available for pre-order so if if you love this movie and you or you just want to support a woman director that's a great way to do it check it out all right that's what i got Awesome. That was great. Okay, good. <laughs> You're always so good at this. I'm like, the bar is no, high. No, that was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Stop. <laughs> oh, okay, so let's get into our non-spoiler review before we even get into the synopsis and all that good stuff. Uh, and as usual, I would love to stop talking because <laughs> I've heard enough of my own voice. What did you think of this movie in a non-spoilery way? Yeah, so there are a lot of things that I really loved about this movie. I do feel a little mixed on it overall, which I think we'll have to get into in the spoiler talk. But I will say this is shot in a really interesting way where Mm -hmm. it's all almost found footage like where it's a single camera kind of thing as one of the sisters is documenting stuff. And sometimes I think that that can be a little bit frustrating, but here it gives a sort of intimacy mm-hmm. to a lot of shots that I think really worked in favor of the script. And there are also a lot of shots when they're outdoors that are really beautiful, mm-hmm. sort of sun dappled or when it's at night mm-hmm. and there's sort of this eerie, gloomy quality to it. So I think that there's a lot of good stuff there and perhaps working so closely with the cinematographer and them knowing each other so well maybe help to facilitate that. The other thing is you get the intimacy from the camera work, but also because the performances are really naturalistic, there's not sort of that actory kind of performance. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's very Even naturalistic. When, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even when you have fantastic actors, there can be this style of acting where they're like acting, you know, no. but this yeah. feel, <laughs> this feels like just people mm-hmm. sitting around talking about these things, which again, lets you kind of feel like you're just watching stuff really happen mm-hmm. here. And I think that it also does a pretty great job of getting at how tricky sibling relationships can be sometimes. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in the spoiler territory because I think we both have experience with how that can be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also really appreciated the underwater scenes because they made me feel deeply uncomfortable. Right? (laughs) I think was the goal. (laughs) So, And there's sort of this, I'm not good at talking about the sounds in films, honestly, Mm -hmm. but because I I don't know all of the sort of language that goes with that. But there is a weird quality to the sound of things in some of those night scenes and the underwater scenes. I don't know exactly what they did, but it does kind of get under your skin and help to create that uncomfortable feeling. I will tell you that this does not have a quote-unquote score. It has a soundscape. Okay, gotcha. When she was working with the person who did the the ostensibly the score the idea Mm -hmm. was to try to make it feel as organic as possible and that's why there isn't this you know that's why they went the route that they did with so it's i'm glad that you pointed that out i meant to talk about that but i completely forgot so yeah no that makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense now that you say that yeah so the the only thing i will say that for me was a bit of a detractor is that 
I don't think this has a lot of horror elements Mm -hmm. in it. And I wasn't entirely sure about how I felt about the ending. Yeah, I really want to process the ending with you because I'm like, is this a sad ending or is this a a super hopeful ending? Right. I think it's both. Both? Yeah. Yeah. So... That's how I feel, too. And I think we can talk about the specifics of maybe exactly what happened. But there was something about the way that some of the plot lines kind of wrapped up in the end that didn't satisfy me as far as being a horror fan. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I haven't really seen it described this way. But to me, I found myself thinking that this movie sort of falls into the folklore category. Oh, okay. Because it, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, because it deals largely with local superstition and folklore. I mean, there the foreground yeah. is the sort of interpersonal relationship between the sisters as they're processing grief and the complications and the and the you know, decisions that you're making after the loss of a loved one, all that kind of stuff. But then behind yeah. it is this kind of um superstitious or supernatural kind of backdrop to it that that to me makes it kind of loosely fit in that genre which also lends itself to being less outright scary more so that it has kind of a moody eeriness that creeps up on you which i think is often the case with a lot of folklore Mm -hmm. yeah like i feel like this is more in the picnic uh at hanging rock variety of film Oh, that's actually a good comparison. You know what I mean? Like, it's not super yeah, scary, but it, of it. it's extremely mm-hmm. moody, right? And I think that for some people, that's going to be great. You can sink right in and have a great time. For other people who are looking for a more traditional horror movie, that may not be the right fit for them. There are some people, for ex- instance, that I know on our Discord, they're going to be like, <laughs> oh, God, Rachel's up her own ass again. And and yes, of yep, course I am. Will. That's where I live. <laughs> But for me, as someone who has very, like you said, complicated familiar relationships, particularly with my mom, with my sister, this Mm -hmm. one totally hit me in the feels. Yeah. I feel myself craving the closeness that the sisters have and super identifying with Annie, especially not because I'm not the oldest, but like that relationship she has with her mother really resonates for me. I think I was just primed primed for this movie to be really impactful for me as i was saying for some people who are not necessarily going to connect with this maybe this would be more of a challenging watch but for me there was like a shorthand with where i was sort of emotionally and what the film was giving me plus the fact that we're like doing very pov in terms of the presentation Mm -hmm. of it i really found myself connecting with this movie and in the way that you love to see yourself reflected in art kind of powerful but also at the same time very emotionally expensive it was a hard watch while also being yeah a cathartic watch at the same time i don't know i also took a quiz yesterday to find out what my attachment style was in it oh boy it's anxious which of course <laughs> made me feel anxious i think i could have predicted that honestly. i know it's so awful i was really hoping i was going to get one of the healthy ones but of course i didn't <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i i appreciated the intimacy of the character study of this film i think it's gorgeous yeah, me too i think the performances are stellar across the board even sort of the guy that's in this you know like yeah he's great too I mean, he he fits in right along with the style of acting that's happening mm-hmm. and he feels like a real person. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and even the way where things are sometimes awkward when he's trying to sort of ingratiate himself and other times he fits right yeah. in. I mean, that feels really real. There's a moment where one of the sisters is like, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. This is like sister breakfast. And the way that yeah. he excuses himself just felt mm-hmm. 
very natural and very like like I've seen that thing happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it yeah. really I think performances are you you can't fault a single performance in this. I think the direction is strong and voicey, which is something I always respond to. I I mm-hmm. you know, I've been watching a lot of the screen movies for Here's Johnny and they're incredibly well made, but I they because they are very of a time. It's kind of a time when there wasn't a lot of style. So I mean, I, I know how you feel about Scream, so I'm not disparaging the movie, but I'm just talking specifically about the style. This one has a yeah. much more, like, the volume of the voice is a lot louder in this. Is that, is that a fair way to put it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I can see what okay. you're saying. Yeah. Whereas the, the Scream movies have that very 90s, sl- you know, they invented that right. style, but they are, they've, it's been copied so much that it is a thing and it doesn't necessarily stand out as, like, an innovation, even though I go to... Technically, it is. But whatever. I've already had this argument on on Here's Johnny. <laughs> I've seen some criticism uh, in terms of the, the POV style, but I personally really liked it. I thought it almost served as like an emotional narrator mm-hmm. because it was very much through June's perspective. And sometimes you would forget because she would appear and reappear on screen. And you'd be like, oh, right, 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 right. right. This is her perspective. But I found myself just watching it like I was a fly on the wall, which I really liked. I really like the dreamy quality of the film. I found myself thinking about Virgin Suicides a lot while I was watching it, too. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, it does have a similar quality and a similar kind of lighting Mm -hmm. effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's something about the water. I don't know. Yeah. And I think we all know that I have been accused (laughs) of complaining that movies are too long or only Uh liking when movies are long when they're like (laughs) arty farty. And this one is the best of both worlds. It's very artsy and thoughtful <laughs> and comes in at a cool really short. hour and 22 minutes. <laughs> uh, so in other words, mwah, perfection. <laughs> short and arty. <laughs> Everything you love in one it's movie. It's funny. I was, I, the half of the zombie girls I was editing, I was complaining about the runtime. And you're like, that's what you say about every movie. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I've been called out. <laughs> I just we watch a lot of movies. It's got to be good if it's long. If you're going to make me stay here for two and a half hours, it better be good. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's true. I know I was looking at our doc of all the movies we've Thank watched you. this year, and it's so many. We've watched so many movies, Thank and you. those aren't even all the ones we've watched for the podcast. Oh, no, that's, so. that's like a fraction of the movies that we have watched this year, and yeah. we've watched 60? Yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> all right, that's it for my non-spoilery thoughts. Which means it's time for us to do the synopsis, which will have spoilers in it. So if you have not watched this yet and you do not want spoilers, this is your chance to hit the eject, fly out the top and parachute away and to non-spoiler town. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You really painted a picture there. I appreciate that. It started good. It was like that drawing where somebody takes their kids' drawings and they draw, like an Uh artist draws the front half. Yes, I know what you're talking about. And so, like, the first half of my metaphor was the artist. (laughs) By the end, it was the child's drawing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. You've had enough time. See you in two weeks. Ariel, tell me the synopsis for this movie. All right. So, The Midnight Swim. Three half-sisters travel together to spend time at their childhood home after their mother drowned to death in the lake near their house. There, the sisters spend time reconnecting with each other and trying to process their mother's death. The whole film is shot, like Rachel said, from the perspective of middle sister June, who films everything sort of as a way to deal with her own mental health issues. As the sisters are reminiscing and coming to terms with the sort of challenging relationships they had with their mother, strange things start happening. 
They keep finding dead birds outside their front door. Two of the sisters dream about a song they get stuck in their head. And they find footage on the camera that everyone claims they didn't take. Mm-hmm. Also, the middle sister bonds with a dude that they knew growing up who tells them a story about the seven sisters. In the end, the two older sisters confront June after finding out she was the one leaving the dead birds and taking the weird footage on the camera. They say this is evidence that her mental health is spiraling out of control and they tell her she should leave with them. They leave, but June decides to stay behind. And finally, she puts on her mother's scuba gear and jumps into the lake. And then some weird stuff happens. (laughs) Metaphysical. (laughs) That we need to talk about. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of (laughs) seated in, I think. Sure. I think. My interpret at least my interpretation of it, but I want to okay. know what you think okay. when we get to it, because okay. I was a little confused, but also visually I was like yum, but in terms of yeah. plot I was like, hmm. <laughs> it, yeah, am I interpreting totally. this correctly? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. That was my experience as okay, well. Okay, <laughs> awesome. All right, so now that we can get into spoilers, tell me about some things that worked for you. Okay, so we talked about how great the performances are already, but I just want to, again, state that I think that they're really phenomenal, and I don't think this movie would work at all if these three women didn't do such a great job. They just feel like real people, and the fact that you get such an intimate glimpse at a really sort of fraught time in their life is made more real and more intense by how natural their performances Mm -hmm. are. I agree. One of the things that I think is maybe the best part of this movie is just how it gets at some real truths about, one, how kind of weird and complicated grief can be, where, you know, there are times when they're really sad and emotional and other times where they're laughing and joking around with each other and other times where there's so much anger left over from unresolved stuff with their mother and they're all behaving so differently and responding so differently yeah all of them are responding differently to that grief and that sort of coping with those unresolved Mm -hmm. issues you know the difference between say the middle sister who is sort of siding with the mom and defending them and the older sister who clearly has a lot of residual anger from the way her mom dealt with her pregnancy and miscarriage and the way she treated her when she was a child It's all really complicated and it feels very real to how people actually go through these things and experience that kind Mm -hmm. of grief. And then I also think that it shows a lot of depth and truth to the way that sibling relationships can be. Yes. (laughs) Um, How complicated they can be. And here the interesting thing is that they're all half siblings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have four siblings But only one of them, my younger brother, is a full sibling. The rest of them are all half-siblings. And most of the time, I would say like 95% of the time, that doesn't enter into my mind. I just think of them all as my siblings. But there are moments where it comes up and it can put a weird wedge in between you when you're talking about, you know, a parent that the other aren't related Mm -hmm. to, you know, or don't have experience with, the differences in your childhoods. Things like that can can make things awkward and more complicated. And I think we saw that a little bit when the middle sister first brought up her dad being willing to sort of maybe finance this dream she has of turning the house into an artist mm-hmm. retreat. I felt like that was really good. And it, it almost made me think that maybe the 
maybe the director and, and writer had some experience with having these sort of complicated right. relationships with her siblings. Yeah, because it, it just felt so truthful and, and honest. Well, that's you know? so interesting. See, that's the kind of thing I totally did not pick up on that. But as you're saying that, yeah, that you're right. There is kind of that moment where you're like, oh, oh, it's expositional in terms of now we understand sort of the dynamics. Yeah. But you're right. It also presents a very true thing about those interpersonal relationships. Yeah, just that it can be tricky sometimes and and difficult when those differences pop up because I think that there is something really different about being raised by two of the same parents and having other people involved mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. you know, and step parents and things like that. It can all make it more more challenging. So that was really interesting, especially because I don't feel like I ever really see that in movies. You know, the half sibling thing is rarely touched on yeah. that way. So I thought that was really cool. Again, with the camera work, I mean – so I I know that you said that in some people's reviews they had some problems with that I too had a couple issues so I think that what it does that is so great is sort of makes you feel like you're a voyeur kind of watching this really intimate moments in these characters lives happening live Mm -hmm. almost especially in those moments where finally the boyfriend or whatever character is just like I I need a minute I need you to stop because yes there's never it, it doesn't seem like June has any kind of compunction about really aggressively inserting herself into there's like no boundaries One, there. like the, yeah. the scene with the realtor in particular stood out to me as well where she yes. just keeps getting tighter and tighter and you're just watching her <laughs> discomfort grow and june does not appear to be phased or take that social cue but actually leans into the discomfort mm-hmm. and it's it's so it's uncomfortable I felt discomfort uh, by proxy for the realtor, but also like, I was like, yes, lean in, get weirder. (laughs) I found myself really identifying Uh with June and being like, this is so ballsy to just completely disregard this social construct. Right, right. And the social contract, (laughs) like, yes, do it. Let's see how far this will go. And I actually really loved that scene because of it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you also see that in the scene you were talking about with the boyfriend where he's like, please stop, you know, filming. And then she sort of backs off, but then she continues filming them. I mean, we don't have sound, but she continues to film them as they're essentially dissolving this sort of new formed relationship that they have. And she focuses on him even after her sister leaves and he's clearly dejected and feeling sad, you know, down by the lake. She just, yeah, has no... uh, she just doesn't really care i mean i don't know that care is the right word but it's like she wants to get these shots and this is part of her process and it's not as important to her if people are uncomfortable or not i feel like we are looking through her eyes to some degree and i think our eyes are drawn to what interests us but the idea of putting a camera changes the dynamic normally yes but not for june which is just really interesting to me That's a very good way Mm -hmm. to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And there are times when I think it works really well where she gets hyper close-ups of people's faces as they're going through sort of an emotional moment or catching people when they don't know they're being watched and you get, again, these more intimate moments because people don't even realize they're on camera. But there are a few times when I felt a little bit frustrated because we got less of June in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wanted to know more of what was going on in her mind. And by the time we get to the end of the movie, I think we understand why we don't get more yeah. of June because the reveal wouldn't work then. But I did my- find myself in the middle of watching it, wanting to know more about her. And then this is a very personal thing for me. 
But sometimes the camera was out of focus and other times it was really jostly. And that bothers me a lot with movies. I just don't do well with that. It makes Mm -hmm. me dizzy. So, um, you know, but again, that's like a personal thing. It's like me with sounds. I totally get it. Yeah, I totally. This is is subjective in this moment, but this is my experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. But again, I really enjoyed the way we're sort of covertly watching this family drama unfold. I think that that is really successful in this. I also really like this connection between her insistence on being the voyeur and always keeping a camera between her and everyone else and her refusal to eat in front of people. Eat. Like she will, she, Mm -hmm. she wants to be present. She wants to see the world. She does not want to take part in it, which is, which I, right. I want to know what that means in her decision at the end. And I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves and we can, I just want to make sure we circle yeah, back. Yeah, no, that's to, fine. Do we think this connects in some way? Is she trying, is this her going beyond the camera for the first time to try to mm-hmm. really experience someone else's experience? I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Because the way that she films things is interesting too, because in a lot of sort of more found footage style movies, when somebody's behind the camera, you'll still hear them talking mm-hmm. to people. And here we rarely hear her voice when she's behind the camera. I mean, sometimes she talks, but it's more rare. Like it really does feel like this dividing line between her and the people that she's filming. And then at the end, you know, she, you were talking about her not being willing to eat in front of anybody, but she eats in front of the camera right at the end too which i thought was interesting because she won't eat in front of anybody but then she eats in front of everybody kind of i mean i think that it's like a actual barrier it's a wall that she puts up Mm -hmm. but you're right it's interesting that she's exactly in front of the camera at all if that's the wall yeah also those crepes look so bomb with the fresh (laughs) i know this doesn't matter but i was like yummy yummy Mm. get in my Here I am, always bringing the awesome hot takes. I know. <laughs> derail, derail. <laughs> yeah, I I really appreciated the POV. I, I've talked about it a lot already, so I won't go super in depth with it. But I just, I felt, I think it has like you pros and cons. I think stylistically, I was on board. I had no issues with it, but I do think that it did create a wall that when we get to the end, I realized I don't know her. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't and and because she has been visually my cipher and then suddenly she becomes very involved mm-hmm. with the plot in a way that she hasn't before, I feel like as this is happening, I don't I don't understand the why. And I I and I right. and, her motivation. Right. Yeah. And I want to understand the why and I that's what kind of why I want to talk mm-hmm. to you. I wonder if there are things in the film that I missed that maybe aside from the fact that we find out that there's definitely some mental health stuff here but what what am i did i miss something i guess there is a senselessness to suicide always no matter what but was it a suicide i don't even know i don't know and i find myself in a place of not knowing and i Mm -hmm. i would like to know more are you thinking that there's a possibility it wasn't a suicide but that something supernatural happened to take I don't know. Her I mean she just, what she sees underwater is the same thing that the folklorist describes. So I think that there is a version of this movie in your if you want to interpret it that she did find something mm-hmm. in the in the in the lake, you know, that she did find something that drew her through. But I also think there's a metaphysical thing that she just something happened underwater and now what she's seeing is that path to reincarnation. Right. 
but I, I don't actually know. And I don't know if that is, that is a fault <laughs> of me as a, someone who's, who's, you know, ingesting the, the media or if it's, and I missed something or if it, it's intentionally ambiguous and you're not supposed to. I feel like it might be intentionally ambiguous. Yeah. But I, w- I, I guess the thing that I came away from it is wishing I understood more of how June ticked. Yeah, absolutely. Because even when the sisters are are talking about her mental health issues at the end, it's all very vague, very, very vague, where you don't really learn anything more than you knew before, other than she struggled with this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's that a therapist said it's made worse by them being together because they enable her or something. But yeah, we still don't get any real window into who she is and what makes her tick and why she's making the choices she's making why it is that the way that she's dealing with this grief is by doing these weird things like the dead birds, right. you know? Yeah. I found myself sort of va- throughout the entire runtime of this, just sort of vacillating between wishing I was there and, and also mm-hmm. having my heart super ache for them. Like I was saying, yeah. I crave that connection that they have. I crave it. Mm-hmm. And so especially like with the th- things like the dance number halfway through the movie, I mean, it's <laughs> a strange tonal shift. But I also feel like it gets at a part of sisterhood in a way mm-hmm. that was fun to watch. And then you have that sort of you juxtapose that scene with the next time they have like a musical number where they're singing while imitating their mother. And it takes that turn. Yeah, it gets very dark. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. You want to talk about Ooh. what makes this movie scary? I think what makes it scary, what makes it horror is that constant sense of dread and that the dread, some of it is sort of supernatural or eerie sense of the uncanny right and this like the Mm -hmm. constant threat of that lake nearby and the mystery in it you know there's that but to me what really kept me on the knife's edge is I always never knew which way we were going to go emotionally and I had gotten so invested in these sisters that I I kind I I didn't want to see it fall apart but I could feel that you know the foundation was shaky and so when we have that scene where you really kind of get at the core of the eldest sister's trauma it is yeah. brutal to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, emotionally, it's a gut punch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to watch. And it keeps going on. At least it yeah. felt that way in the yeah. moment. It's not just she says one thing, but it the acting, her like her mother, keeps going on and on. And then when she sort of comes out of it and there's this awkward moment of her like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to sing this time. I'm just going to sing the song. And it's just like, oh, because she's trying to find her way back out of it after she said all of these incredibly emotionally fraught things wrong she is such a wound in that moment mm-hmm. and you i felt like i was i was watching i was like i'm not supposed to see this this is people yes. at their most like she's skinless she is raw and yeah vulnerable. like you're like yeah. oh, i'm uncomfortable because i i shouldn't be seeing someone and and again this comes back to this movie lives or dies on whether or not these people can pull off these performances because those exact lines yeah. could definitely not work if they were handled differently. Oh, 100%. And it's that yes. naturalistic acting style in this that really makes those land and makes it, it, it. hurt yeah. when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I felt so bad for her in that moment. It, it, it tells you everything about that dynamic and you're like, oh, this yeah. is what this is really about. Yeah, but I think that's some of what we were missing with mm-hmm. June is that we don't really know what her mm-hmm. relationship with her mother was mm-hmm. like. We don't even know that much about what her relationship was like with her sisters. We don't know what's going on with her mental health situation or what her life was like prior to this weekend they're spending together. 
So it, it makes her feel a bit impenetrable. And I think that that is part maybe of what makes the ending a little confusing too. God, you know what though? I just think about the scene after this movie where the sisters are reunited again. This time they're in June's oh. apartment. Oh. And they're like, we yeah. fucking left. I can't imagine. I know that the movie ends on kind of a hopeful note because it's this idea that after life, things go on. You just need to learn more. You Mm -hmm. grow. It's bathed in this sort of warm, glowy light. But I just kept thinking about those sisters, maybe because that's who I knew at the end of this movie. But what does the next day look like for them? Right. How devastating would it be that they made this decision because they thought it was the right Mm -hmm. one and it turned out. No, God, they should have shoved her ass in the car. Yeah. And that's why I mean that there's like a senselessness to suicide mm-hmm. or death or whatever a lot of times. And and I think yeah. that this movie definitely effectively gets at that. I don't know. Maybe my maybe the movie while the watch it while watching is less scary than the experience you have processing it afterwards. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm in an existential crisis a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's. That's part of it is that I don't actually think the movie is really ever scary while you're mm-hmm. watching it. I think it's emotionally fraught. I think that it forces you to sort of confront feelings that even you have about your own interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. because you're watching these incredibly raw moments between characters who clearly love each other and her family. But I don't think it's really scary. That's I don't think fair. That's and right and horror doesn't it. actually have to be scary. No. No. I think it's just adjacent enough, you know, the supernatural aspects of it, although those are kind of undermined ultimately. Yes. I did really love, though, I I found myself very compelled by the mystery of it all, like especially when they went to the lab and they find their mother's notes and she's diving in the places that are kind of... I thought that was going to be something. Well, the overlap of the the Pleiades Mm -hmm. and then all of that kind of stuff. What is the invisible star? What is the significance of the invisible star? And is she the invisible star? Is that the idea? You never really see her. She's the invisible star, but we know. The mother? No, no, no. Yeah, probably. No, I, I mean, mean, that was June. Oh, oh we June. Never, we don't hardly yeah. ever see her. She is that's not visible true. to the mm-hmm. naked eye. But she's the invisible But we sister. know that she's there yeah. because she's the one that's making the film. Is she the invisible sister? I was just trying so hard to connect the dots. And I'm sure that, I mean, it's so obviously intentional. And that's why I'm like, am I just a dummy? I'm not picking all this up, which (laughs) probably is part of the equation. But I don't know. I feel like I need to watch it three more times, I think, to fully get it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there may be breadcrumbs that we've missed along Mm -hmm. the way. I I also feel that way about the song Mm -hmm. that the middle sister keeps singing and and then June, you know, sings too. I don't quite understand what that I was. I wonder now that I'm thinking about it is that maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. re- reincarnation. Maybe she's on the river of remembering and what she was picking up was the song from a past life. That the middle sister picked that up? But then the young, well, then June. The the middle sister yeah. picked it up first though. She was the one who sings right. it first. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't totally yeah. understand how it all works don't understand how it all works i'm very confused (laughs) (laughs) well if we ever get the chance to talk to her (laughs) we're gonna have to ask sarah yeah yeah we're dumb please explain it to tell me i got five (laughs) because i i'm interested i think she's saying something really interesting here but i maybe i just need to watch the movie again and it's all there and i'm just a dummy 
Maybe Elizabeth. If Elizabeth, if you're listening, can you please tell us? What... Right. <laughs> I was really counting on you, Ariel, to explain the ending to me. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I mean, I think that it's like the obvious part about reincarnation and stuff. But I, I think there are all these threads that are weaved throughout and, and breadcrumbs that don't totally make sense mm-hmm. in the end. And I don't know if that's a failing as me as a viewer or that the story wasn't clear enough. I mean, there, like you said, there are a lot of threads. We're introduced to a lot of ideas, like mm-hmm. the, the remembering and the river of remembering and forgetting and reincarnation and the, seven and the Pleiades and, and this, the stuff about the shawl and the, shawl, the song. Yes. I was sure that was going to be like the mom shawl or something. Me Although, too. I mean, it could Me very too. well have been because... When yeah. we see the dress I kind of up, got that sense. we see all the dress up. There, every one of the looks involved a shawl, except for the you're right the last one yeah. where she's in the nightgown. But he's wearing it right. as a turban, and then they're both wearing them yeah, around their neck. So, and they all look like that same kind of shawl. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mm-hmm. think it's probably safe bet to think it's her mother's. Yeah, yeah. Which again gets back to the like, supernatural thing because like her sister's like, I feel like the lake gave me this. I mean, I guess two things could be true, right? Maybe there could be some degree of something supernatural in this lake that has no bottom, but also June is Mm -hmm. capitalizing on that and augmenting it with her own strange behaviors. Yeah, that could be. I mean, because the shawl, for instance, does end up popping back up and wrapping itself around the ladder that leads from their home's dock into the lake, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I will say it's a very beautiful movie and well-directed yeah. Yeah. and well-acted. I just feel like I need to watch it a bunch more times to fully know <laughs> what it's saying because it's saying something. It, and it successfully says a lot of things. I think where it, it's just those final beats of the movie that I don't understand, everything else I feel like really lands. I agree. I just think we needed more clarity at the end. 2022, the yeah. year of no ambiguous endings. <laughs> We're never going to get Stop that. it. I'm willing it. I'm, this is me. I'm manifesting. <laughs> manifesting. No ambiguous right. I endings. I feel like I've touched on all of my issues. Did you have any other things that didn't work for you you wanted to bring up? I mean, I think like we've been saying, my my biggest thing is just that these breadcrumbs are seeded throughout the movie that make me that made me think that there was something supernatural or paranormal happening that there was some kind of horror element there and then that never really comes together in the end so i think that's a little bit frustrating especially when you don't totally understand what happened in the end and then i know that you liked that dance scene i do in the like middle. it and while i think it was sort of enjoyable to watch and quirky it's so disjointed and separate from the rest of the movie that i found it a little odd you know i mean i think maybe it gives you some insight into how they have fun together but i think if we had seen maybe the lead up to that like how they got (laughs) to that point it would have worked better and not felt like it just sort of stood out I like well. that it stood out. But see me, it's all subjective ultimately, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, all these totally. things are subjective. So it's it's fine if you don't yeah, if you if it didn't work for you, that's totally a legitimate way to feel about it. I personally yeah. like kind of needed it. It felt like and then it was just so sure. silly. And I think that this the movie could be pretty heavy without it. And then you get this reminder of why these how why and how these girls connect. 
You know what I mean? That there mm-hmm. is some joy amongst the grief and the mystery. I don't know. I, I liked it, but I think it's fair. If you- and then the only other thing is I found the ending to be kind of unsatisfying just because there was so much left that I didn't know. And when she is sort of reborn or reincarnated, the way that that was filmed was so different than the rest of the movie. It read a little cheesy okay. to me. All right. In the end. Okay. Yeah. But that's it. All right, cool. So overall, would you recommend? What are you thinking? If you were looking for an emotional drama that really gets at some human truths and is going to make you feel some things and think about some things, then I would say 100% you should check out this movie because there's a lot that's really good about it. If you're more in the mood for a horror movie, I don't think this is going to satisfy you and I would say skip it. Yeah, I think I mostly agree with that. I think you need to have the right expectations going in if you want something that is like a mood piece that is very interested in the internal lives of most of its female cast. I mean, there are obvious, there are intentional reasons why June is not explored, but that really does center that in, in the narrative that accurately portrays the complexity of, you know, sisterly relationships. If you just want something kind of dreamy, I think this is this is absolutely going to fit that bill. I think it asks interesting questions. And I think if you are someone who wants to really engage with what you're watching and hopefully pick up more breadcrumbs than we did, I think you're going to have a really good time with this. <laughs> if you're looking for like a slasher, this ain't your jam. So buyer beware. That's what I would say. And I would, I would recommend it to... Uh, very specific people who I think would connect on with it, but I wouldn't say it's a tentpole, broad, mainstream sort of broad audience. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. But yeah. I think for the right person, this is going to be a real treat. Yeah, for sure. I I liked it. It was for me. <laughs> I'm talking about me. I'm recommending it to me. <laughs> All right, listener mail. We do not have any this week, but if you would like to get in touch with us, maybe you maybe you have more information about the end of this, and or you have an interpretation or whatever. Drop us a line at Rachel at zombiegirls.com, or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or on Instagram and Twitter at ZG Podcasts Plural. That's G R R L Z. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. And Spotify just recently started allowing star reviews on their platform. So it would be amazing if you have been listening to us on Spotify, if you would hop on there and give us a star rating. That would be so, 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 so helpful. And we would uh, think you're the best. And <laughs> if you're looking for something, <laughs> yes, uh, seriously, I, it's always weird asking for plugs, but genuinely it, it will help the podcast. So it would be awesome if you'd be willing to do it. Yeah. Um, you don't even have to buy anything. You just hit that star and keep it moving. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight and you've already watched The Midnight Swim, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at the Zombie Girls website. That's zombiegirls.com. And while you're there, you can check out our sweet ass merch, or you can just go straight there by going to zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and you want to support us in another more monetary way, (laughs) you can do so on our (laughs) Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. Lots of really awesome perks there. For one thing, you get an extended episode on every episode across the network. 
you get to hang out with us on our Discord, which is dope. You've heard me talk about it plenty of times before. But also we're going to have more and more patron-exclusive or patron-exclusive versions of shows over the holidays. We did our first ever live recording on camera. Yes, <laughs> I had a little too much to drink. But we had a really good time. We had awesome guests come on. We played games. We went through our favorite kills of the year. We did all kinds of fun stuff. And that is something that we intend to be doing a lot more of over the next year. So if you want to watch live, if you want to participate when we're recording, you should definitely join the Patreon now because we have some really fun stuff coming up in in the year of our Lord 2022. So come check it out. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of extended episodes, Ariel and our Christmas special. Ariel, what are we going to be doing on this extended episode? All right. So for our Christmas special, I put together a little Ariel's research corner about Christmas and Santa Claus and stuff. But we all got a little bit (laughs) and didn't get there. (laughs) So even though we are past the holidays now, I'm going to be telling you about uh, serial killer Santa Claus and some interesting traditions from other countries. We can let all this research go to waste. (laughs) So we're just going to extend the Christmas holiday just a little bit longer. No one will notice. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I guess that just leaves what we're going to be watching on the next episode. Now, Ariel, it's your turn to select the movie. What are we watching? So we are going to time travel back. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And watch Near Dark. <gasps> Have we never covered that? From 1987. We've never covered it. And this past year, we've been doing so many new movies because so many new horror movies have come out directed by women but we're in this little slump right now between <laughs> yes <laughs> between the end of yeah. one year and the start of the other. So I thought it was a good time to go back for Near Dark, which was directed by Catherine. I mean, like Bigelow. this is a foundational women in horror movie. Oh, yes, absolutely. Before we sort of got more women in the last couple of years directing, this was always at the sort of top of the list of women directing. Well, that'll be interesting movies. to also look at it through the lens of, is this truly one of the best directed women ho- directed horror films? Yeah. When I w- revisited American Psycho, I was like, yes, this absolutely deserves its spot on the list. Right. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see now, instead of there being 10 movies, and if, is this actually one of those movies that belongs <laughs> on the top 10? So that'll be yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. I know I really fun. have liked it in the past, yeah. but it's also been 20 years since I've seen it. Oh, right? easily. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a very, very long time. I know I loved it the first time I saw it, but it will be very interesting to revisit it now. And in case this is a movie that is unfamiliar to you, it is about a small town farmer's son reluctantly joining a traveling group of vampires after he is bitten by a beautiful drifter. God, I'm so excited. I'm actually really looking forward to this because <laughs> oh, I have good, not seen good, this in a good. million years because I do feel like this is not a movie that you just pop on as a feel-good horror film. It, it asks something of you. Sure. I think it's a little dark and for so, that. Yeah. And we get to see Lance yes! Henriksen and Bill Paxton. Oh, my God. R. Bill Paxton. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes, this is a good one. I, I mean, I do love sort of a horror Western as well. So there's yeah. a lot of reasons I'm super stoked. I'm so excited you picked this. What a good one. Oh, good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. So unless okay. you're sticking around for the extended episode, 
We are going to get out of here, watch Near Dark, revisit, let's, let's, like you said, get in a time machine and revisit a true classic of women in horror. And uh, if you are sticking around, uh, I think we're in for some good fun facts from our girl. So on that note, Ariel, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our review of The Midnight Swim. And like Rachel said, if you're a patron, stick around for my Santa facts. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun with us (laughs) revisiting the holidays. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks with Near Dark. All right. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Chardon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly After Dark, where we're about to get factual with Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy. I mean, that's got to be someone's kink, right? They're like, hmm, facts. I'm going to fax you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, dude. I'm tired. I'm also on vacation. So I'm like in vacation, Rachel, who's a little bit nutty. So (laughs) (laughs) for someone that's super hot, I don't know. I mean, not me. (laughs) Definitely not me. But somebody. Let's move Uh forward. uh (laughs) Just move. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yes, facts. I, I, first fact, okay. I love Christmas. <laughs> I am a Christmas nut. So when you told me we were going to extend Christmas, I was delighted to go on this journey. It, it takes some of the sting out of the fact that it's 360 odd days until I get to experience the joy of Christmas again. Um, so this is a <laughs> little taste of yes. that for me. Yeah. So I appreciate the your service. I appreciate your labor. I'm also glad that it's not going to waste just because I got too drunk and kept the pod that kept the uh, <laughs> special going too long. <laughs> we didn't get to play most likely. Oh man. Although did you I see know. in the Discord they were like, no, well, play the year. game. Which made me feel good because I was like I realized I was, like, having a great time, but when you guys were, like, wrap it up, I was, like, oh, shit, am I oblivious? And everyone's, like, make it stop. (laughs) No, we all had a really good time. It was just that at that point I had been on since Mm. 530, and I I knew that my thing was Uh going to take a while. And Matilda, I think, knew her uh-huh. thing was going to take a while. And, like, did we really have another hour or something left yeah, in us? I still I had, know. like, three more trulies. <laughs> Would no, you have been it's upright, probably for the so? best. I, like, I was the most drunk I was in all of 2021 on that thing. I, I'm terrified <laughs> to listen to it. I have not listened to it except. Oh, I mean, really? I you just stuck it up there? <laughs> one thing that I regretted saying. I'm sure you can remember what it was. <laughs> or it was like, oh, it was meant to be a joke, but then yes. I was like. Yes. No, I mean, real? yes. I mean, it was factual, but it was like, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, don't yeah. say that on the internet moment. Um, people are going to think it's way worse than it actually was. Right. It was more just like a, a faux pas than it was like a, a it was not yeah. a cancelable <laughs> effa- like offense. Um, I mean, <laughs> no. maybe a fireable one, but not a cancelable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I cut that and then I slammed mm. some like stuff on the end. And at the beginning, I explained what it was, but I did not listen to it. I did not watch it. 
I mean, you hate listening yeah. to yourself anytime. And I have the so excuse of like, surprised. it was recorded live, <laughs> so we can't edit it. Yep. Bye. So enjoy yep, all my ums, my delicious ums <laughs> and likes. <laughs> but but yeah, it was fun. I, oh I definitely want to do it again. I was saying maybe we'll do it quarterly. So we're talking to patrons now, so we can do a little behind sure. the scenes tea, right? So what I'm yeah yeah no yeah, I think so I'm that thinking that would be fun. this is what I have in mind, but I totally am flexible. We could do a women in whore month and in, in the spring, so like March, okay, and then yes. sometime yes, in March. the summer we'll do one. I don't know what it'll be like hot pod summer. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure it out, and then we'll do <laughs> Halloween, and then we'll do Christmas. So that'll be like okay. the it'll be like okay. you know the four seasons, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I yeah, mean, I, I know Larry and Justin had a really good time, so they would come back. I would love to get Caitlin and Elizabeth on. Yeah, that would be so much fun. I would love to have right? them on. And hopefully we'll that make some great. new friends over the next year. So um, yeah. maybe we'll have some of them on too. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that sounds that great. Good. Okay. <laughs> as much as I hate being on but camera, that's what you drink. You, <laughs> and see, it's one of those things. <laughs> my one white claw. Okay, well now enough. I know. I'm gonna send you more. <laughs> I gotta. Yeah, I'm just, up you're my just game. gonna get a delivery. Yeah. I need to know. I don't actually know what you like to drink. What do you like to drink? That's because I don't drink that much. Right. That's not my vice. Um, <laughs> What's your vice then? <laughs> No, I'm more likely to get intoxicated from smoking something. It's legal in both our states. Something. You can say it. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, but when I do drink, it tends to just be like vodka soda and that's it. Okay. So White Claw's pretty adjacent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just need to know what have delivered to your use. <laughs> so, that I, so I'm not the only drunkard on there. Who's drinking out of the bottle by the end. <laughs> That was so funny. Where we were talking and just in the background, Rachel is just slamming. Yeah, that's a thing that happened. It cracked me up. You're so funny.